Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and this is Brian, and today I am joined by Stephen Ulrich. Stephen, how are you? Doing great today. Thank you, uh, Brian. Good, good. Are you uh, hunkering down during the virus in Denver? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, I make my home in Denver, and uh, it, uh, uh, I, I've been doing okay. Uh, it's not too isolating. Uh, I live close to the park, and it allows, affords me the opportunity to get out and about on a regular basis uh, and maintain a, a fair social distance yeah, yeah good. And without feeling too isolated. Good, good for you. What, which park is that? Uh, it'd be uh, uh, City Park, uh, right next oh. to the uh, Museum of uh, Nature and Science. Oh, that's, uh, that's funny. We're, we're practically neighbors. I live between <laughs> Washington Park and Cheeseman Park. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, right off of Colorado. And yeah. uh, Colfax in that area. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very cool. Well, Stephen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you grew up, and, and that kind of thing. Well, uh, uh, I grew up in uh, in Michigan, the Detroit area. Uh, um, I was a part of an auto family, a lot of skilled trades. Um, I uh, went a different route. I went to school at Michigan Tech. I received a, a degree in uh, um, geological engineering. Um, I enjoyed the outdoors and uh, quite frankly the geology in Michigan is some of the most fascinating geology in the entire world and I feel I was a bit spoiled with that um, but it certainly enthralled me. Uh, I uh, also uh, uh, had a um, uh, focus on uh, electromagnetics and magnetic geophysics uh, which I've used to a, a great extent in my career. Started out in the mining industry, uh, actually doing uh, slope stability uh, analysis. Uh, uh, one of my favorite jobs, doing grassroots uh, geology, uh, mapping uh, geology, and uh, uh, developing a, using a, a stereo net analysis to, yep. to, and a wedge analysis, to, uh, uh, which I was just so uh, happy about because, uh, um, and I thought that my rest of my career was going to be like that, you know. Uh, when I was in the mining industry, gold was at about three hundred and ninety dollars an ounce, mm -hmm. and it was it was pretty failing at that time. So uh, that uh, uh, that job lasted about a year, a little bit less than a year, um, down in Mexico. And mm -hmm. then uh, I actually, <laughs> then I moved on to oil and gas uh, uh, in California, uh, working the oil patch, doing some mud logging, even uh, did a little bit of geothermal, and I didn't really much care for that. I moved along to environmental and I ended up uh, in uh, the western slope of Colorado. I knew a few folks out there and I, and I continued to do some mud logging. Um, but uh, I really settled down in Denver, uh, you know, and I started off in environmental, uh, 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 environmental work, uh, which kind of led to uh, geophysics for me, which has been uh, uh, the most significant part of my career, uh, again. You know, doing a lot of electromagnetics and magnetics work centered around uh, UXO, uh, unexplored ordnance, uh, fluid flow mapping, you know, and then of course uh, mineral deposit delineation. Um, you know, and I, I did that for, for uh, um, 
better part of a, uh, more than a decade or so. Um, and then I, I, I started with uh, IDS Geo Radar, which uh, kind of uh, um, set me on my current path. Um, I became uh, uh, um, you know, quite familiar with INSAR, uh, interferometric synthetic aperture radar, and uh, deploying those instruments uh, in the mining setting uh, to great effect, and uh, helped develop uh, as well uh, applications for civil sector deployments for those same instruments, which is a, is a rather uh, uh, more difficult and challenging environment uh, uh, than one might think. Um, and, and then currently, uh, um, after IDS, I, I started my own company uh, uh, to uh, further that goal of bringing this technology to the civil sector. And, uh, and most recently, in fact, uh, uh, very recently, uh, I am now collaborating with a, uh, a colleague, uh, John Metzger, and we are uh, going to be working together to, to, to the same effect, to bring INSAR technologies as well as other technologies uh, uh, to bear in uh, fields and uh, industry sectors that uh, are not yet utilizing this technology. Um, and we're uh, forming a company, uh, Asset Assurance Management. And we are, you know, we're, we're just in the development phase and, and we're just now starting to identify uh, those target areas that we want to uh, explore. So that's where I'm currently at right now. Oh, okay. And I interviewed uh, your partner, John, back in October. That was episode 11. Yes, that was. Uh, and I actually I did listen to that. And he was still with IDS at that point, but he moved uh, uh, soon thereafter to uh, Sky Geo to uh, assist them with uh, um, satellite uh, INSAR. Uh, mm. it's, a, it's a natural you know, move. Um, and I've also uh, dabbled in satellite INSAR. Okay. myself uh, I've learned to process the satellite data and I've learned to familiarize myself with it uh, and we both see that as an essential uh, aspect of our offering in addition to ground-based insert uh, quite frankly we see that those two technologies uh, go hand in hand quite seamlessly in fact uh, it, it, you know in, in bringing this technology to different sectors uh, it's you know uh, very essential to um, to utilize both technologies in our opinion. Yeah, great. Can you give us a, a, an example of how your product works and what it does for your customers? Well, um, what we're developing is is really it's a as much a product as a pro an approach as a product where where we are uh, utilizing uh, satellite uh, INSAR to. Uh, take a view of a larger uh, area, uh, a larger landscape um, surrounding, say, a specific asset uh, to better characterize uh, uh, the area and to identify uh, um, with historical data, which we can go back to 2015. Uh, okay. There's data, satellite data available for uh, uh, of high quality um, going back that far so we can develop historical characterization of the site and identify potentially specific locations and from and those specific locations we would deploy a ground-based system to capture uh, that higher data volume and that would lead us to uh, the capability of you know identifying very specific uh, potential causes for uh, land deformation or land movement slope movement uh, that could result in a landslide, as well as having a high enough volume of data that allows us to predict 
a landslide. Uh, we've we've already this uh, method and this technology has been proven in that regard uh, to be able to do that, and uh, we we feel we can uh, bring that uh, capability to uh, other sectors outside of the mining industry, including uh, the tailings dams. Even though that that is in the mining sector technically, um, that's a case of perhaps the right hand not talking to the left hand, where maybe these INSAR, uh, the ground-based and the satellite uh, INSAR are being used to great effect in the active mining operations. They are not uh, being used uh, to great effect or at all in the tailings dams uh, uh, monitoring, which to me is quite perplexing and of course is a probably our, our biggest target area uh, uh, at the moment. Yeah, okay, great, great. Uh, uh, can you think of any specific uh, success stories that you could relate to us? Well, um, so one of the reasons where we finally, we really truly understood, and, and not just from a, a wishful thinking perspective, but from a data perspective that we can monitor dams was with the Oroville spillway. Now, you, know, you may recall it made some uh, quite some news back in 2017, where you know with the, the heavy rains and with the, uh, the the forest the fires that they had, and then the heavy rains and a lot of the water uh, runoff. I mean, uh, it, it washed out the the Oroville spillway. Well, you know we were uh, uh, tasked uh, uh, to to support that project, uh, utilizing Insar. Uh, in which we uh, were able to monitor those uh, the spillway uh, during the the reconstruction phase, uh, and during you know uh, as part of that, well, uh, and, and not necessarily as uh, a part of the project, but we were still able to view uh, a significant portion of the earthen dam right next to the spillway, oh. and we were getting very good quality data. Uh, from that earthen dam uh, um, and it was basically our you know we were reviewing almost reviewing that data as much as we were uh, the data from the, the, the spillway you know the spillway uh, we were able to provide them with uh, daily uh, uh, data reports uh, you know detailing to them you know what areas could be of concern to them so that or perhaps needed more attention so we were actively directing them in their reconstruction efforts, uh, um, and it was a part of their daily uh, reporting uh, meetings uh, at the beginning of each day. When then, of course, we were were just kind of uh, a bit more <laughs> focused on, on uh, the earth and dam part, where we could detect the seasonal loading and unloading of the reservoir, and we were you know detecting that movement. Right, which you know, uh, to extrapolate uh, that kind of uh, data that we were getting, we, we would be able to detect uh, uh, swelling mm -hmm. or you know potential uh, um, aspects of piping you know that could occur in an earthen dam, such as what happened in uh, the Midland, uh, Michigan dam failure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, where where a, a flow of, of uh, you know excessive flow of water through the dam. Uh, through a weak point uh, and a preferential pathway has created a problem. So, um, you know, we do not have any, you know, we have not monitored a project to that effect, uh, though we do uh, feel that we could detect that, uh, that type of uh, movement uh, when we're able to detect sub-millimeter uh, um, changes in a surface 
Well, that's the, the that's the type of definition that we can see. Uh, we feel that we can see. Yeah, and it it certainly seems like all significant water dams and probably all tailings dams should seriously consider this kind of an application. Almost certainly. Um, you know, quite frankly, uh, to you know, of course, um, perhaps we have a, a um, you know. A, a, preferential opinion on the matter but uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it just seems such a natural fit right, right? Uh, when we're talking about uh, a, the potential cost of a failure both in terms of you know operate you know operational ter- uh, uh, environmental damage uh, you know uh, and things like that well the cost of having one of these instruments you know and as well as using uh, satellite data is, is minimal. You know, we're talking like you know, less than ten dollars a day over the life of a uh, of the instrument. You know, uh, for a ground based, and even even less uh, for uh, you know ongoing satellite monitoring. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel that it makes it a very feasible to have a uh, one of these instruments uh, dedicated uh, to these uh, TSFs uh, um, for the entire life of the TSF, uh, the tailing uh, storage facilities. Um, you know, and so that's the avenue that we're pursuing. Uh, we feel that we can make the greatest impact in that area and to bring a much needed uh, uh, data source uh, for the managers of these facilities to utilize. Yeah, and of course, it's a natural for rock slopes like in an open pit or some significant uh, highway road cuts or something like that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, of course, the mining in an open pit, they have. Um, utilize these instruments to great effect and in fact they've altered their uh, production uh, scheduling based on this uh, um, so you know to me like they have already proven uh, the effectiveness of this technology so for us now is to demonstrate you know to, to enlighten others to this and that to short circuit the learning process and to, to let them benefit from the efforts that the mining industry has made on their behalf to deploy this instrument and in, uh, for their needs. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrific. So how automated can this data be? And not, not the data, but the interpretation, you know, if there was a couple millimeter movement in a cluster of, of whatever, does do you have to go through it visually, or do you have it set up to um, set? Well, these flags? instruments um, on uh, have uh, improved their software greatly, and with uh, uh, in with direct assistance from the mining industry. Now, one of the things that these instruments are capable—excuse me—capable of doing is to to target a certain area, right? You can literally outline an area using your mouse permanently. You can create a permanent area that you can reference directly. In addition to that, you can create an alarm for that specific area uh, that is based on specific criteria that is determined by the geotechnical uh, engineer responsible Mm -hmm. for that. Um, now, in our experience, that, that takes a little bit of learning, okay, but quite, uh, you know, as you, they, uh, the geotechnical engineers uh, become more familiar with it, uh, they really dial that in. So there is no real active 
monitoring, although the, the geotechnical engineers look at this data every day. Uh, in fact, I think a lot of them like it. You know, it's just, it's really interesting to them and they can, you know, pull up graphs of a, a target, a single point or a, a targeted area um, of several pixels and see a displacement over time graph, uh, as well as a, a inverse velocity graph, which is actually one of the key elements of these ground-based systems, yeah. and which allows us the opportunity to predict a failure. Uh, in, in some cases, uh, it was done to, uh, uh, months in advance uh, in a mine in Utah, um, and they were they uh, were able to move buildings. Uh, you know, administrative facilities with offices, they're able to move entire buildings out of the way uh, in advance of this failure. Uh, isn't that amazing? It is, quite. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that sounds like uh, an incredible success story right there. It certainly was. And it, this is the, this is the one of the uh, reasons, or that was one of the inspirations uh, for us uh, to do exactly what we're doing now. Uh, again, uh, I worked with uh, John Metzger at IDS to develop a civil sector uh, um, product uh, and service. Um, and uh, our success, you know, from the mining industry translated to, to pursuing uh, uh, the development of civil sector uh, uh, opportunities. And then our success in developing those opportunities has led us to where we are now and forming our uh, a partnership to uh, pursue these uh, civil sector opportunities uh, uh, together. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. I don't suppose you've got a website up and running, do you? Well, uh, not yet. Uh, that's actually one of my tasks, and I am. Uh, um, but I can give you the address of it uh, right now. I oh, okay. Get, you know, if you, if you were to get on, uh, it, it, there would be nothing there just yet. I hope to have something there in the next uh, week or two. Oh. Um, but that address would be www.aamonitoring.net. Okay. And uh, it's all one word, A-A-M-O-N. I T O R I N G dot net. Right. Great. So at least uh, at some point in the fairly near future, people will be able to connect with you and reach out to you, and uh, and and uh, you can start spreading your business a little bit more broadly. Yeah. Well, it it is uh, something that actually very came together very quickly and very very recently. In fact, yeah. the fact that this happened between. The time that we had our conversation uh, about me coming on and mm. today. Okay. So, <laughs> this is developing news. You heard it here. You yeah. heard it here first. Right. No, it's that's terrific. Uh, and what what other application or situation do you think this technology is being underutilized for? Well, so, I mean, obviously our, our primary focus is tailings dam. There's a strong movement and a strong push to, to uh, improve that situation. But aside from that, we are uh, also looking to uh, imagine that uh, dams and levees not associated with tailings facilities. Um, uh, you may be, have been aware of the uh, Midland, Michigan, uh, the recent Midland, Michigan dam failures. Yeah, uh, we feel that there's a strong need. Uh, um, there are 
thousands of dams that are in, you know, a, a state of uh, disrepair. Um, you know, you can find this information out quite easily online. Uh, even uh, um, going on to the uh, Army Corps of Engineers uh, dam inventory, you know, and, and to to see the status of these dams and, and their uh, past due on their inspections, and they, you know, uh, they're just they're nearing at, uh, a century mark in terms of the uh, the life of the installation. So it stands the reason that these things are, are not going to last forever and that uh, we need to be a little bit better aware of it. So we are targeting that area, uh, railroads, uh, railroad corridors. Um, we're seeing uh, more and more derailments um, that cost tens of millions of dollars. Uh, you know, and that's just in terms of equipment uh, that does not account for lives lost or the environmental impact based on the spillage of, of uh, materials that are being transported. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we feel that there's a very strong opportunity there. Uh, and, and to follow that, the pipeline corridors as well. Uh, we're talking about uh, natural gas or, or uh, oil uh, pipelines that, uh, you know, traverse uh, um, remote areas. Uh, um, you know, both of these uh, um, uh, industries are, are, are uh, well uh, can be well served by incorporating both satellite data to cover long stretches of these corridors, uh, and to have a constant eye on quite literally entire corridor. We're talking about thousands of miles. You can capture thousands of miles quite easily using satellite data, and then from there we can identify very significant problem spots where we can come in and bring uh, a ground-based system to monitor more closely and develop a predictive capability, which allows them to uh, either to mitigate or to, at the very least, avoid intersecting these, these potential problems by either not scheduling a, you know, uh, their uh, train to come through that area at a, at a particular time or to per- perhaps stop the uh, uh, pipeline flow, uh, if that's possible. Uh, you know, so that when the, the landslide does happen, uh, you don't get a spillage, uh, uh, you know, and, and to damage the environment. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a few other uh, areas. One we could be roadways, of course, you know, uh, preventing uh, landslides that will impact drivers in remote areas. Um, you know, we, we can monitor bridges, bridge failures, as well as airports and, and runways and things like that. So there's there is a, a broad spectrum of applications that this technology can. Uh, provide a significant uh, uh, data to, for an actionable decisions that can prevent uh, serious problems. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned levees, and a few years ago in Fernley, Nevada, there was a levee failure that flooded uh, lots and lots of houses, and it was it was pretty tragic. And so you don't usually think of levees as being a, a potential source of disaster, but they certainly can be. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've, uh, um, you know, if you look at the Mississippi alone, we're talking about, uh, close, you know, ten uh, over ten thousand dams and levees, mm. um, which are uh, again much like the dam. Levees are also aging. Now, the natural levees tend to be the least problematic, but when you're talking about man-made levees, uh, uh, you know, of course, that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we've covered a lot of uh, stuff today, Stephen, and 
I think we're about out of time here, but is there any parting bits of wisdom you want to leave with us before we say goodbye? Well, you know, I, I think uh, for, for me, and because there's there's not a lot of traction in some of these other areas, uh, what get, what, what's being lost, on, uh, I think, in trying to address some of these, these uh, problem areas, such as dam failures and or, or railroad derailments, you know, is a lack of collaboration. I think we need to get back to that. You know, everybody wants to have the solution and be the, the only, the one, the source that uh, people come to. And uh, I think that's a, uh, that's an incorrect way to, to uh, respond to these types of uh, um, large problems. I mean, uh, these things are tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions, and in some cases, billions of dollars, uh, and you know, caused by these disasters. Um, and to, to try to go it alone, you know, whether it be a, you know, a geotechnical consulting firm or a technology company or, or what have you, I mean, uh, I think we're better off trying to solve these problems uh, through collaboration. And that's actually something that uh, um, we're trying to do at uh, Asset Assurance Management is to gather partners that will provide key uh, elements of service and expertise to um, address every step of the problem from uh, identifying it to mitigating it. Yeah, that's that's terrific. And I, I guess I can add into this that when I lived in South Africa, there was a group of us that went around inspecting a tailings facility on a monthly basis. And we, it was a very large facility and we got out in one area and we noticed some cracking and the the facility was moving and it's only because we happened to stop right there at that time that we caught this thing and we were able to do something about it but if we'd had this technology available to us we we wouldn't have had to rely on the just really a stroke of luck that we stopped at this place at this time right but it just the, the type of I'm sorry, the type of damage that can result from a, a failure like that, uh, we should not be resorting to luck. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. No, no that's, that's perfect. And uh, with, with that as a, a high point and, and a great takeaway, I think, Stephen, that I'm going to say goodbye to you, but I really appreciate you coming on here. People can at least find you on LinkedIn, right? Yes, sir. Uh, and they can also reach me by uh, um, email. Uh, it's steven.ulrich, no relation, uh, S-T-E-V-E-N dot U-L-R-I-C-H at A-A-M-O-N-I-T-O-R-I-N-G dot net. Um, they needed to contact me. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Okay, great. You've at least got your email up and running and, and they can get a hold of John there as well. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on and spending some time with us and getting us a little bit more knowledgeable about the areas that you work in. Great. Thank you. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rocking.